Well, I hope you are doing well wherever you are in the world. In a time of constant change, um, I'm finding trying to put the effort on daily rituals has been really helpful for me this week. Um, It's a constant work in progress. Uh, My husband and I keep trying to refine a schedule and then realise that it doesn't always work with a two-year-old, but that's kind of been our little secret weapon for getting through the last couple of weeks. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the podcast with Raise Ahab. I received lots of amazing feedback, which doesn't surprise me in the slightest because Ray does not only just do the most insane adventures that are constantly pushing the frontiers of human potential, but I think his ability to be a storyteller really allows people to feel like they could do something like that. And I think that's really enabling. And so it was a pleasure to be able to speak to him. But this week, you are getting Beck Wilcock. She is the modern-day Wonder Woman. Beck's this Nike running coach. She's a Nike trainer, an ultramarathoner, a model, fitness maven, a mum of a three-year-old, and also the founder of a female running movement called Here We Run. So she wears a lot of um, different hats, lots of feathers to her bow. And if you'd followed Beck on Instagram uh, before and and her social channels are at Beck Wilcock, you'll know that she's an insane athlete. You'll see these incredible fitness workouts. But what you won't know about her is the more personal side to Beck. And I feel very privileged that she chose to communicate through this podcast in a way that she's never done before. I've known her for several years and it was refreshing to go several layers deeper than the surface and I I really hope you enjoy it. When I decide that I'm going to do something I am a hundred percent probably 120 percent all in so I was like I can learn how to orient here let's go I'm going to find the best people to teach me and I'm going to train my butt off and see what happens. And like the speed project, it's like I'm not going to go and just have a crack. I'm going to go and be the first female finisher. So let's kick this off. I am so excited to welcome Beck to the podcast. Thank you for giving me your time all the way over in LA. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited just to sit and chat with you and be um, nice and open. Yeah, well, it's been a while since we've been face-to-face. I mean, obviously, you've been in LA for the past couple of years. We live some parallel lives, so it's there's definitely a lot of respect and understanding in the worlds that we live in. I've, I've obviously checked you out constantly on um, social media. Not only do I find you a fitness and mama inspo, but I often like look at your workouts and I'm like, can I, can I possibly even try something like that? And then my husband will look at me and he's like, Nah, that's that's probably that requires a little bit more upper body strength. Sam, how about you focus on your lower body stuff? But this weekend, I saw you encouraging and leading a group of um, women virtually to do a half marathon. Can you fill me a bit in on that? I sure can. Um, so for the last fourteen weeks, we have been on a training journey to LA thirteen point one. And because of the world crisis that's happening, the world, the race got cancelled like every other race in the world, yeah. um, unfortunately. Uh, but we decided as a community, my community is called Here We Run, to continue training virtually. So everyone was 
super pumped to continue running and stay connected because it's a very isolating time when you're um, at home by yourself. And so we decided to do a couple of Zoom workouts, thanks to Zoom, (laughs) the uh, (laughs) video workouts and um, stay connected that way. And then this weekend I put down a time, uh, a start time, and you could go from anywhere, obviously staying safe and healthy and working within your own surroundings. And they all jumped on board and decided to, do the run anyway even though the race was cancelled it was it was actually beautiful it made me cry because everyone's still so motivated even though there wasn't actually a race Um, and I mean I think I mean there still really was a race I think you know even though there wasn't the gun going off you weren't in the company of you know thousands of other people you're still doing the thing that is the major requirement of the race, which is running the distance, mentally yeah. and physically pushing yourself. And that's a lot of the videos and the photos that you've just shared over the last couple of hours are all these women like absolutely ecstatic to get to what is their, you know, ceremonial finish line. Just on that note, as an athlete, you would know this too. Like if there wasn't a gun going off at the start for the start line, they made their own start line and I feel like the journey was where they grew and that's always um, when I put it in parallels to like exactly what we do as runners. It's the journey where you actually grow and you change. Race day, anything can happen. So they just adapted to their own race. So you're right. Yeah, I mean obviously there's been – Pretty much every event for the foreseeable future has been either cancelled and or rescheduled, uh, and I think that's a lot of adjustment for for athletes and runners. Uh, it's not clearly the worst situation that's going on right now. Um, everything's relative, but how are you finding that transition of connecting with, you know, the women in your community uh, through virtual programs? I think now more than ever we need to stay active, healthy, and happy. So I look at it in a lens of, yes, we're not getting that face-to-face connection, but we are still connected. And I'm very thankful for having the community and having built that before COVID-19 happened. Like When I think of you, I think that you carry many hats. Um, you've got like Beck as the coach, Beck as this insane extreme athlete um, and obviously a more newer role in your life Beck as the mum so I guess let's kind of like deep dive into Beck as a coach because that's how you connect community quite a lot at the moment and particularly with your here we run program what do you actually love about coaching people I think being an athlete from a young age you start to appreciate coaching when you are the athlete and then coming into that coaching role, I it I just have a different lens on it. I love the human connection and I love teaching people their physical and mental capabilities. The way that I like to train and coach my athletes is learning about them on a physical level but then also learning about them on a mental level. So understanding how they operate is a big deal for me. And if I can get on their level and they listen to me as a coach and I can feed them information and education on 
whatever sport or race that they're doing to be the, their best selves or better themselves in any way, that's how I like to coach. So, for instance, with this half marathon, I had a lot of different skill levels coming into like where they were starting from and when you're a new runner it's like learning any new skill set you feel like you're never going to make the distance or learn to run so it's different starting from that point and learning about someone and coaching someone as a beginner than it is as an advanced runner do you know what I mean? 100%. So how do you actually go about getting to to know someone when you've never had prior experience with them before? I think personally it's it's all about connection and conversations and um, I do a lot of online training and then I do a lot of in-person. So it just depends on the platform that you have to get to know them personally. Taking the time, like caring. I I care for anyone that I coach and train or anyone that's in my life so on a personal level I I just I'm interested in everyone's life so that's easy Um, getting to know them on a physical level is a little bit harder because they don't even know what they're capable of so you're kind of the believer of them and you kind of create their pathway if you understand that um whereas they're still letting getting to know their physical ability, whereas you can kind of see it. You just hope that they choose to climb the ladder or follow the path. Getting to know someone's um, mental strength, I would call it, is my favourite part <laughs> about getting to know someone. Um, just watching how they you know that point when you're in a race and you can you can feel it yourself but you you go through that like roller coaster ride of like I can do it I can't do it I can do it and you find those different points of motivation so what drives you what motivates you to keep putting one foot in front of the other I have my top list and I try to create that top list for my athletes so I try to like lead them into getting to understand themselves and how strong they actually are and that's my favorite job I love that I mean I what I love is how you focus on care and listening to create connection with people which allows you to help them tap into both their mental capabilities as well as physical strength I mean you've obviously had a lot of coaches in your past and you've been a athlete from like a kid how have you utilized your past experiences with coaches um, and I guess also as an athlete that now shapes your coaching style growing up I got very competitive in triathlons so triathlon was triathlons were my sport for a very long time and I had uh, multiple coaches I think back then when I was this is like from 12 until 18 so this is like prime puberty, like female changing in every way um, the female body does. And I, I just think back then that they didn't really have a lot of understanding of how to train and coach the female body. And I had a lot of 
male athletes too, uh, male athletes around me and then male coaches. So I think I was just thrown into the bunch of men or boys growing, growing into men mm. and treated the same when I should have been treated a little bit differently. I'm not saying that it should be <laughs> completely different, uh, but I think we have a lot more knowledge now as coaches and of just training the female body. Because I, I agree with you. When I started ultra running, um, I was looking for programs and insights and all I ever found were like programs and insights that were from males that were focusing on um, the male progression. And, and I also agree. I think there's differences. So what have you experienced are some of those differences? Well, especially in, in triathlons and any endurance sport, we need to really understand like the female triads and how it is a real thing. Like you, I'm going back to like me being a, a 16 year old girl. I never got my period until I was 19 because wow. of the training that I was doing. So when you go into these hard training cycles, even in my older age, like you need to understand that your hormones are going to completely shift. And if you're training without recognising the fact that you're going to change your menstrual cycle, I think as a female it, it's detrimental to your future. Um, you might be excelling in your races, but then when you get to your 30s you need to be like, oh, wait a minute, I have had hormonal damage. I need to, like, try and recalibrate. And I'm not sure how you were, Sam, when um, you were conceiving Harry or if you'd, like, missed a cycle or anything like that. But, but for myself, I, um, yeah, I didn't have my period for a, a very long t time because the endurance sport, you're losing weight and you're very thin. So... I think with female athletes, you need to have a, a really good understanding of how hormones work with like the right, correct nutrition and then just different ways to cycle your programs throughout the year and throughout your own cycle hormonally. Oh, so I, I'm really happy you're talking about this because, and I've just Googled it to kind of make it clear for people that the female athlete triad is a medical condition observed in a physically active female and it involves three components. The first one is low energy available with or without disordered eating. Number two, menstrual dysfunction and three, low bone density. And, you know, I've had a, I've been quite public about my opinions on really young girls um, taking part in ultra marathon events. Um, a bunch of years ago, uh, there was a hundred kilometre race here in Victoria, Australia, and mm -hmm. there was a bunch of 11 to 13 year old girls who had signed up through their school to do this hundred kilometre distance. Now, I was an ambassador for that event at the time, and I just remember thinking, I'd I personally cannot hand on heart feel comfortable, you know, representing an event that's allowing girls who are going through like the peak menstruation puberty timeframe for them to be pushing themselves in 100K. Where does your position sit on, um, I guess, typically young girls getting involved into like endurance sports? I must say before I answer that question that I'm all about young females staying in sport. Over here in the States, it's it's 
they are dropping out. So I don't want this to discourage anyone to from continuing sport because, yeah, girls are dropping out of sport at the, like a young age of 14 and it's twice the rate of boys at the moment. So I, yeah, with girls, I, I just think that you have so much time and if I had my childhood again, I wouldn't have burnt out. So if you are racing at a very young age, you are not going to peak at the right time and therefore you're going to miss out on your opportunities to succeed as an athlete. So I believe that training them young, yes, but don't overtrain them because you ruin them as young athletes. Totally. It's a balance and it's, you know, for many people it's subjective um, because what one person can potentially tolerate might not be the same for someone else and that's not just applicable for youths, that's also applicable for adults. Like, it, and, it, and it works for us and I had Ray on the podcast last week and he talked about starting, you know, ultra marathons in, in his 30s and he thinks part of his longevity and development in the sport is that he started it later in life. So, you know, what happened for you kind of, so you were doing a lot of sports when you were young. Did you hit any early breaking point with that degree of training that you were getting? Yeah, I was heavily into triathlons. I was still running and swimming like cross country. And then I was also swimming for school and squad. And then I was playing soccer and surfing. So I was doing a lot. However, my main focus was triathlons. And at the young age of 18 I just the the last year in school uh, so year 12 I was studying for my HSC I um I had to take a year off because I got glandular fever and then I got chronic fatigue syndrome and I was in bed for three months so I I was overtraining and doing a lot and then that forced me to completely stop because I was aiming to go to the Olympics. How did you and I guess your parents at that point in your life support you through that transition? My parents are, were amazing through that transition. Um, it ended up being my decision to take the full year off because I was trying to get back into races and I just was not feeling myself. And then I was like, I need to stop, otherwise I'm never going to love being athletic again. So I just redirected it and focused my energy and time into studies and that helped me so much. And that's, it's funny because after that, taking time off training for three sports, I came back and that's how I began to get into just running and working as a, a coach. It made me think about how much I appreciate and respect the human body And I was like, oh, well, I can just focus on running (laughs) and then I can focus on coaching others and and helping them succeed their goals. I guess sometimes through the what might seem like the depths of despair of the breakdown of a goal that we are pursuing, we can start to get a more holistic vision of how we can balance our lives and how we don't have to be defined by just one thing. Because I think a lot of people are pursuing that Olympic path that You've got to have tunnel vision, right? Mm-hmm. You have to. It has to be your number one priority and you live and breathe that goal. And that's what I was doing. I was doing that um, yeah, all through my high school, that's for sure. 
and I don't regret it. I, I think that it's built, it's definitely built like discipline and drive and dedication, which has worked in parallels with my career and how I live my life. So I appreciate all the hard work that I've put in those years because it's taken me to where I am. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes without saying you're definitely someone who's physically strong, but I, what I admire is the mental strength that is very evident through the projects um, that you tackle, that you create and, and tackle to whether they finish as the way you expect or whether they don't finish the way that you expect. What's been some of the kind of key events that you've done more in recent years uh, as an extreme ultra athlete? Well, last year we did the Speed Project, um, which, which was an amazing, fun race. You were entered into it this year, right? Yeah. I was. I saw you guys yeah. doing it last year and I was like, that? <laughs> look, I'm serious, you guys looked like you were demons in that event and I, I need to kind of toot Bex Horn because she's crappy at doing it. But these ladies were going like four-minute K pace on average and the race is like 550 kilometres long. So, like, yeah. for those who might not know what the Speed Project it is, because it still is a very niche event and it's unsanctioned, um, but it's kind of very highly talked about through social media, what's the Speed Project about? So the Speed Project is a race with no rules. You're running from LA to Vegas. No rules except the fact that you cannot run on the freeway. You have a team of six if you want to go for uh, the record. Um, normally, like the OG team is a four males and two females. However, we entered as an all-female team, which was yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and we went for it. We had two Kiwis, two Australians, and two Americans. Um, uh, our team was Team Tempo, and I have long, long memory. So I think I'll just never forget um, that race. So what made that race so special and, and how do you think that the team kind of did that time? Because you guys didn't know each other beforehand, did you? We didn't actually. We we all met and we were in the same room um, 48 hours before the starting line. So the six of you didn't really know each other before the event what do you think and, I, and I've got to say when I do events with teams I'm pretty critical in the people that I choose because I know that it can be a make or a break not just to the performance results but also to the experience how do you think you guys created this cohesion um, to do what you did well Team Tempo um, the the owner of Team Tempo Riley he was amazing at picking good humans so when I say that I mean these ladies were all fast but they were good humans so we all cared from each for each other not even knowing each other and Lydia O'Donnell is she's a New Zealander I work with her through the Nike channels and when we connected like I've known I've worked with her for like three years so I have known her before the race um, and we just knew that, okay, these are the ladies that we want on our team. Someone that is going to be a team player is number one rule. She can run a sub three for a marathon and cool. she's got a heart of <laughs> gold. <laughs> yeah. And that was our team of six. 
and at, when you are running with with six people you're right like a lot can go wrong and a lot did go wrong but our spirits were so high the whole time and we were all determined and we're all very competitive in our own ways individually and then as a team and that competitiveness was our strength that got us all individually through and then I think our hearts pulled us home. Did you all have the objective of going out there to break the female record when you got there? We did. Um, we That's how our Skype sessions were, were navigated and we were like, we have a, a very strong chance of winning if we can run this certain pace and all train extremely hard for it, obviously. It takes miles, <laughs> the journey. The journey of the speed project was harder than the actual speed project, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, so it, we put it all out on the table to go for the win and the record. Were you in the fittest shape of your life going into that event? I think no. I wasn't. I think the fittest shape of my life that I've ever been in was before the Barclay 100. This time heading into the speed project, I was actually just found out that my husband uh, cheated on me with a nanny. So physically I was fit. Mentally I had a two-year-old and I was now a single mother and I was in the very big need of a team <laughs> because I definitely could not have done that by myself um, because I just, you know what it's like with ultras. You need physical, mental, spiritually, like everything needs to align to uh, perform your best. And, um, yeah, I... Yeah, so I, I wasn't in the best shape, but it's funny what um, five other females in an RV and a run to from LA to Vegas can do to you because I definitely changed my attitude at the end. It's huge, Beck, because like I want to credit you because you don't typically share um, challenging things in your life. You know, if I look at your social media, you're so positive and I know that's how you are naturally in life, but I see like the epic workouts, um, the way you uplift your community, but you don't often see, um, you know, stories of your personal life, you know, when things are going good, but also definitely when things are maybe not so much going good. Like what was it like to actually be preparing for a race that you were hoping to do really well with with a collective team but going through such personal turmoil like what what did you actually mentally need to do to even show up to the start line I'm you know this I don't share (laughs) I'm kind of a, a very positive upbeat person and I try to share that with others but this time in my life I needed my dad flew in to help me and he's been there for every single race, uh, like from a young age. So is my mum, but my dad has always been there. And um, I just remember running when, he, like, because we were still training, he came 
a week out and I was just doing it. I was trying to get back out to running because I just found out um, the heartbreaking news and I was in shock, to be honest with you. And my dad was, I said to dad, can you just follow me in the car? Because I don't know if I can actually physically go out the door. And I said, I don't, can you just bring Bo and just drive behind me, make sure that I'm okay. And for me to say that, dad was like, yep, whatever whatever you need. And I got a no joking, like a two kilometres, which is a very short run for me. And I just like groped down the side of the street, hyperventilating. And my dad was like, it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I've trained so hard. And another person, like an outsider, has come in. He was my husband. But, like, when you're training as an athlete, you're just thinking of that one goal of completing the race. I was like, I'm going to let down my team. And I'm mentally, like, the weakest I've ever been in my life. I don't know how I'm going to do it, Dad. And he was like, Beck, (laughs) you are the strongest woman I know and you will get through this. If you let someone take this race away from you, you will be more hurt. (laughs) And he was right. So I guess family was the answer. And then my teammates, like my dad was like, you should just tell everyone, so the six people in my team, so they understand what you are going through. And um, I told the girls and it made my teammates rally even more for me. I think when... A female hears that it, it is it is a female's nightmare, and I'm only speaking from a female because we are all females. So for your husband to cheat on you, I feel like they were more inspired to go for the win and make everything a happy moment in doing so. The sisterhood is bloody powerful, hey? It is so powerful. We can break each other down, but we can also be each other's greatest ally. And I want to thank you for sharing that because I think that I think it allows people to realize that no one's life goes without massive bumps in the road and hurdles. No one has a seemingly perfect existence. We all have our own baggage, but we can choose to lean on those that we trust and we can still pursue the things that we love to do and use it as ammunition to be even greater in that space. I did learn something about that is like from being open in that point in time, it actually, it, it was liberating. Like it made me feel so much better. I think I would have been in that hard place for many more months if I didn't open up. So it was a life lesson for me and it's made me so much stronger. Yeah, well, I think you're a pretty powerful chick. Yeah, that's how you choose to respond. And, you know, not everything always goes to plan. So this speed project, even through some of your darkest hours, was a, you know, you know monumental success for what females collectively are capable of in the sporting arena. But mm-hmm. you mentioned the Barclay, the race that you were the fittest for. How, like, can you give some context for people? Because once again, this is a very niche event that not many people take part in. You're getting the trend that <laughs> likes to do the outlier type of races. What is the Barclay all about? Because I'm obsessed with this race. So the Barclay is a 
It's called the Barclay 100. Um, the best information that you're going to get is to watch the doc documentary just if you Google it. Um, it's on Netflix. It might be taken off now, but the Barclay 100 is a 100-mile race in based in Tennessee, so Frozen Head State Park. It's You find yourself on a compass and a map and you have to orienteer yourself through that 100 miles. There's no course, so you're not running on a trail. You're actually running through the thick of the woods. And you at your checkpoints, it's five 20-mile loops to make up that 100 miles, and you're finding 12 books throughout that 20 miles, which isn't 20 miles, by the way, because any fire road that you're on, it's just like rubbish miles they go into the trash so um it ends up being about 25 miles per to 30 miles per loop you have to find 12 books like i said and you have a race number which whatever number you are you have to rip that page out of the book and collect them and come back around to the yellow gate <laughs> um you say Only... it so casually, like it's a, a walk in the park, but <laughs> I, I'm going to say this is probably one of the most toughest ultra marathons out there, not just because of the physical undertaking but of doing 100 miles plus, but the terrain is incredibly technical. It, you know, everyone's shins and legs get shredded because it's thorny. The elevation's out of this world. It requires navigation. It's cold weather. They're playing with your mental, like, there's, there's lots of components, which is, is why I think it's one of the toughest events. You have 60 hours to complete it and only 14 people have finished the race since 1987. So that's 33 years. <laughs> About and how many of those have been women Beck? zero sam and that's why i was obsessed with it and still am to this day i want a female to finish and that's the reason why i entered in the first place and that's the reason why i dedicated two years of my life for training for it and understanding the ins and outs of it i mean the race director's even been so bold to say he doesn't believe that a woman can finish that race. This is right. That, and you know how that makes me feel, Sam. So, was do you think that's the driver? Did you want to defy, like, what is what was a perceived limitation of a female's capability? Yes, I wanted to prove Les wrong. I, and I believe at some point in time a female will finish it. And I hope that female is me. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I did. It was like it set like a little fire off in my soul. I was like, you don't think a female can finish this? Let's give it a try, buddy. How did you think that you could possibly do it considering – when you started to do that event, you really didn't have a lot of the requisite skill set. Um, yeah, what, what was going through your mind about why you were capable of doing it? Because I think this is something critical about you. You believe that you can do things that many people think would be beyond their abilities. Well, I'm always for pushing your own limitations and I knew that I had a great endurance background 
Um, so meaning that I'd trained so long for like triathlons and at that time I'd, I'd ran a lot of marathons and then got into, dabbled into ultra marathons and just fell in love with the sport of ultras. Um, but it was more the mental side of me that was like, I believe that I'm mentally strong enough to do this race and I could learn the skill set that is needed to finish it. Physically, yeah. I can train for it. And I had a year of very hard training, which put me into the fittest <laughs> I've ever been. Um, so, what, yeah, what kind of stuff did you do in that year? I had to learn how to orienteer from scratch because I. I'd never done it before. Have you oriented, Sam? Well, you know I've done adventure racing, but yeah. uh, I'm not the navigator in the team. I call myself the team morale person um, that I can just stick at things. But when it comes to looking at a map and compass, it's, uh, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be the person that would put my hand up to be in charge of that element. I get lost <laughs> still in a Coles supermarket car park. <laughs> but I mean I haven't I haven't done what you've done so like that's a limitation that I have I think that and so when I look at a map I get overwhelmed but I I will also say that I've never tried to learn and so this is what this is what I'm listening to with you you didn't know how to do it it'd be easy for you to think that you couldn't do it but you decided mentally I'm going to do this so when you're when you're trying to learn, like how are you absorbing something that's so beyond your known? Well, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. And I think it might be just that dedication and drive and discipline that was like embedded into me at a young age. And when I decide that I'm going to do something, I am a hundred percent, probably 120% all in. So I was like, I can learn how to orienteer. Let's go. I'm going to find the best people to teach me and I am going to train my butt off and see what happens. And like the speed project, it's like I'm not going to go and just have a crack. I'm going to go and be the first female finisher and speed project. I'm going to go and break a record. Like I don't know why I'm that way. I just choose to live that way because then you have no regrets. Because otherwise you're just sitting there going, oh, I probably should have tried that race. I love it because it's like you set this intention, which is a very high intention, and therefore everything you do in preparation builds you up to that, you know, as I said, intention. And sometimes mm-hmm. you may fall short. Like the Barclay didn't result in the way that you wanted. But bloody oath, you yeah. learnt so much along the way about yourself and your capabilities and you're going to give it a crack again. So when did it look like that race wasn't going to turn out the way you hoped? Um, when I was heading out for my third loop and um, I was in my second loop and I'd lost my pages. So I was actually, I was actually helping another guy get down off the mountain because he was completely out of it, like he had no fuel left in the tank. His eyes were rolling back in his head and we just ran through the night. So we were like 24 hours in and 
I was like, this guy could possibly die out here. And what I've done is I didn't know this at the time, but I left my pages under the book Under the Rock, um, <sighs> which was one of the checkpoints, and helped him get his pages back in and feed him and then take him back down to the like main road so he could get some help and carried on through the race and then I got to the gate and I was like Laz I've lost my pages like I was looking oh. everywhere for them and he was like well you have four hours for someone to bring them back in otherwise you time out on your loop and Jared, if you watch the documentary, you know who Jared is. He's finished this race twice. He came running through four and a half hours later. No, with, did he have your pages? He had my pages. Yeah. <gasps> but I couldn't continue because they timed out. So I was just, I was devastated. But it, I, I don't <sighs> regret it because I, I've learned so much about myself throughout that journey that I never would have tapped into without saying a simple yes and putting 100% in. So I was meant to actually go and do the Barclay 100 in 2019, the same weekend as the speed project the Barclay was on, and I've been invited back to do it. However, it was snowing that year and this race is so weather-dependent and only only – I think no one got past three loops in 2019. So I decided to do the speed project, um, which was my right choice. <laughs> well, and, yeah, there's so much about that, Beck, because you are strategic. Like um, the way you prepare for things, not only did you learn how to navigate, but you basically did like a boot camp with like SEALs in the US. You push yeah. your body in uncertain experiences to hopefully prepare you for the unknown in the Barclay. But what I love about that story is even though you're so focused on your goal, you're incredibly strategic and highly competitive, your human side kind of came over in that moment and you chose to help someone else which took away your focus from your own race and essentially that's why the race didn't go, you know, at least, at least you, I mean, who knows what would have happened after the, you know, next loop. But in that moment, isn't that kind of compelling to you to know that your human side will still prevail when your competitive juices are still at their peak flow? Yeah. I, and I think that's, I don't, that must be from your upbringing. I, I don't know how to explain that or maybe it's just like genetically wired um, but I've always been that way um, I've always like no matter what my goal is in life I'll always look after um, the humans around me and I feel like when you're in the Barclay like that becomes your family like those 40 people running are your family so you want to look after them and I think that's why it's good that you're a coach and that you haven't just pursued the athletic pursuits as the entirety of your life because I feel like it would disconnect this notion that you like to create micro-family in the multiple communities that you're part of. And I obviously the greatest community that you're a part of is like this family network with you and Bo, which is Bo, your three-year-old son who's the most adorable <laughs> kid ever. Um, and 
just dancing at dinner and has this positive outlook on life that is so innocent and beautiful. You would see it with Harry, but I just, it is my number one love and will always be. How has he changed your life? Oh, where to start on that question? <laughs> um, I I think having a child, it, it teaches you the amount of love that you have to give to the world and you never think that you could love something so much until your little human is um, in front of you. So he's definitely elevated those uh, love gains in my life. However, I think the, the balance of being a mother is quite difficult. I'm not going to lie. Like we, I'm a person that is always positive about like, okay, we can tackle it all, we can do it all. But having Bo, like being pregnant and not connecting with your body the same way as what you you would normally so like as an athlete you know your body you know it ins and outs of like everything that's going on and then you become pregnant and you are just you almost have to like surrender and just let your body do the magical thing of growing a human and connect with it again once you can see like you have had the baby and that was a challenge um, for me. Um, I was very lucky because I, I had zero complications um, with during my pregnancy and then zero complications after. It was just during labour that Bo decided to take 30 hours to come back, to come into oh. the world. So <laughs> I was like, that was another ultra marathon that I'm definitely writing in my books. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, I mean, you know, I almost feel like I could tell that, you know, you were going through a mental uh, exploration and challenge yeah. when you were in the early days of pregnancy. I mean, from someone who's very fit, who moves their body all the time, and I know that you were quite fit during your pregnancy, what was that transformation of surrender actually like? I mean, was it very difficult to see your body in it? Um, in a different purpose but for me I I had to shift my focus again like my and I being pregnant is a is a magical thing and I'm not taking anything away from it but internally as a female it's so unknown of where your body's going to go so you're like I'm not exercising as much as I normally would I'm eating um as healthy as can be but I'm craving I was craving the strangest things so I was eating more and then mentally you're just you're not your hormones are just jacked up so you're not the same every day like every day is completely different so I had to channel my focus into to reading and and learning and like I actually did a um pre and postnatal course um, for fitness because I was I needed to understand more about what was going on with um, my my body um, for me whilst caring for Bo whilst he was inside me. But it was challenging. It was hard, and 
you're not racing, so you're not getting that same, yeah, your life is different. You're not getting that same rush. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally get that. Like you you don't feel like the you that you've known, even mm-hmm. though you're yeah. excited for what's to come, of course, like, you know, of the course, caveat yeah. that's out there, but you're yeah. not pursuing the thing that normally allowed you to feel fulfilled. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure, was it challenging telling a lot of the, you know, partners that you work with um because I can imagine that like you you work with Nike you're obviously um you know supported and sponsored by companies that know you as an athlete who's constantly moving their body and looking a certain way were those conversations difficult for you yeah they they were because it's one of those challenges as a female that they know it could possibly arise but they just never know when and I won't mention the brands, but um, I think they were shocked and they didn't know how to navigate it the right way and therefore it was more painful for me uh, as an individual because you're like, oh, well, I don't know what I can offer right now. I've never gone through this experience. I've never been pregnant before. Um, I don't even know if I'll come, like, how my body will be coming out of pregnancy and and how long it'll take me to be back to where I was as an athlete as I was physically as I am mentally like you you just don't know how much it's going to shift you and I think that yeah it was a really really hard time and some hard conversations but it all worked out in the end I must say once you get through that you realize that you will actually become stronger. You'll become more creative and innovative and focused and partners that don't want to work with you through this time to think laterally about how we can still work together are probably not the partners that you want to work with long-term. Nope. No, they're definitely <laughs> not. Um, and you you have a different outlook on life after you've had that baby as well. So <laughs> you definitely don't want to work with those partners. I think motherhood is is hard just in general. So you have to structure your days completely differently, completely different. Like as an athlete, you just have yourself to worry about. Now that you've had a child, you you know this, Sam. <laughs> you have yeah. a little human now to look after and yourself. So we're just lucky that uh, we do create a good structure in this household which works for us I mean I think it would be helpful for people because obviously right now we're going through a period where everyone's um, self-isolating through most places around the world and you're a single mum you're a working mum meaning you're an entrepreneur a businesswoman you also work for brands how are you navigating this time and is there any kind of I mean, obviously there's challenges, but has there been any advice that you could possibly share to others who might be in your shoes? Don't lose your rituals, your routine or your structure because uh, with with myself and Bo, we both crave the, the structure. Um, so we wake up, we move our bodies, we have breakfast. For Bo, he started preschool, so... I'm homeschooling him at the moment just through preschool so it's it's only four hours for the day so we go through Bo's work 
and then he takes a nap and I go through mummy's work. Um, and then, as you know, you're like cramming for that two hours and hoping that he stays asleep for that two hours because, you know, these things can not go according to plan. Um, and then just enjoying the quality time with your loved ones, whether it's, yeah, your children or your better half or your mum and your dad. I think right now is a great time to reconnect. And even if you have to call people, like I'm noticing that my parents are calling me a lot more because they have time and then I have time. So we're staying connected through either FaceTime or Zoom chats or the house party app. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do anything and everything to not feel like we're alone in the situation and you shouldn't because you have people that you love, that love you and you love. So take that time to connect. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful perspective to have um, being a busy working mum myself. I keep reframing it in my mind that I may never get this kind of all-consuming time again with my son unless I obviously choose to make it but you know considering that I work it's actually a blessing Um, and it's reminded me that maybe I need to create more of these moments um, even when we enter into the new world because I'm seeing things with Harry and connecting with him in ways that possibly I, I wasn't before so you know there is great adversity and challenges but there's also silver linings that are coming out of this time with our own perspectives that's so true and I like I have like I said homeschooling Bo we take like little workout breaks so I just (laughs) I love watching him learn and grow and I think since he started preschool I forgot how much I enjoy teaching him and it's not that you don't teach him throughout the day but like when you have a curriculum and you're like sitting down with them and they, you're trying so hard to put that teacher hat on and they finally get it, you're just, like, proud of yourself, <laughs> proud of him, and then we go celebrate with a workout. So I'm like, yeah. I'm <laughs> Win for everyone. Can you please post one of your workouts with Bo on your Instagram page? I, I will. I, we actually did this really fun um, living room workout today that I – I see. I I'm denied about sharing because <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I'm not as open with my personal life. But um, if the people want to see it, I will show them. Well, I mean, I want to just thank you for this because I know this has been a, a pivot in how you probably normally choose to communicate. But I've got to say, personally, you being open, it affects me, and I think with mm-hmm. your you know, purpose of connecting women, you know, positively to movement and to each other with the work that you're doing with your own group, it's mm-hmm. only going to be more powerful when you choose to be open. And it doesn't mean that you need to give away everything of who you are, but giving something and being open and vulnerable definitely helps others. Yeah, and I hope I hope that this does help others for anyone going through a divorce, for anyone that's a single mother, for anyone that's going into motherhood or having struggles with it, like I'm always here to connect and that's the reason why I created her was so women can work together to support each other 
And that's why I love you, Sam, because that's what we do for each other. And it's makes a lot of difference uh, in the world and, and how we see the world. I want to thank you for the time that you've given me back. And I know it's PM in LA and you've just put Bo down so you could chat to me. So enjoy your evening. Wow. I thought that was a really powerful conversation. You know, I've known Beck for probably about five years now, and I wasn't 100% sure about what she would give me um, in a conversation, particularly one that's recorded. You know, as you could tell from the podcast and what she shared, she is actually quite a private person. And the fact that she shared some really personal things about in her life, um, I just think speaks volume for her intentions of connecting women through powerful movement, um, but also to each other. And I think it's only when we're bold and brave enough to share parts of who we are um, that we can truly connect with more and more people. So I want to I want to thank her. I think I've done it a couple of times on the podcast, but I, I want to do it again. Next week, uh, we're speaking to a mate of mine from the UK, Ross Sterling. This guy I met in the Atacama Desert, but he is not just an ultra runner. He is one of the most creative, impressive people that I know, uh, and he constantly is doing work to further social impact work uh, around the globe. So I can't wait to hear his lens on the world and to hear some of the incredible adventures he's been up to. But again, thank you for tuning in, guys. Um, I don't take it for granted that you tune in and it means the world to me. So I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to touching base next week. 